You know what that music means. It's time for another episode of Liberty Lockdown! Welcome. This is Clint. I know many of you are new, and uh, welcome aboard. This is Team Liberty. I am your humble captain slash passenger along with the rest of you. And uh, I really appreciate everybody that shared my thread today. Um, I worked on it for weeks, so it was awesome that it got such good traction and so many people were so pumped about it and shared it so gleefully. Over 100 retweets already. Never had anything get that crazy. So very cool. Um, Really appreciate you guys. And I wanted to, since many of you will be new, you have no idea what my show's about. You could tell by my handle, Libertarian Thought, Liberty Lock Pod. Uh, I focus on libertarian ideology, anarchist ideology, and philosophy more than ideology, actually. So in this regard, I think that my thread kind of leads us to a na- natural question of where do we see this thing going? How can we prepare? Um, how do we get in front of this? How could we possibly benefit or at least tread water while the rest of the world gets sucked under? Um, That's what I've given my majority of my consideration and thought to over the past few months. Um, By trade, I'm a mortgage broker and money manager, private capital. So, you know, I know of which I speak in this regard. That is that is my actual expertise. So. Politics is a passion. Uh, Finance and economics is really what I do. So I figured you can have a lot of other pundits talk to you about, you know, how fucked up everything is, of which I agree, and I'll talk about that plenty too. Um, But I think at the end of the day, you know, the niche that I can provide is guiding people to defend, protect, and benefit economically, financially from what we all see coming and granted most people don't see what's coming but if you're listening to this show you do and thank god for people like you so i'll get right into it um first off the lockdown obviously was a mistake (laughs) i i was screaming this from a mountaintop uh two months ago but very few people were willing to listen and you know that's okay I, uh, people were scared. People were propagandized. I was too, you know, I was concerned. I was way more concerned than I am now. Um, if you weren't back then, you just kind of weren't paying attention because all the information we were receiving was pretty dire. You know, the stuff from Italy was damn scary. Um, I think where I started to get most concerned was the one size fit all solution to this, where the policies for, You know, I'm in California, so, you know, the policies for Los Angeles shouldn't be the same as Modesto. You know, you have greater population density, you have different methods of transport, you have different industries. It makes no fucking sense at all. Why would you possibly give the state the right to make the decision across the board? And then on top of that, we had most states matching each other. 
and kind of a regionalization of the states where Washington state would be like, hey, whatever California does, we're going to do. And Oregon, same thing. And then New York pairs with New Jersey and Connecticut, and they start doing all the same stupid shit, even though obviously New, New York City has no bearing to you know, Connecticut in terms of how you should respond, at least on a governmental level. On the individual level, I think everyone has the right to do what they think's best for them and their family and their own safety and their overall well-being. Because we all make decisions every day that others wouldn't agree with, you know. So to the, the one-size-fits-all plans is what really early on disturbed me to my core and made me start to look into this further to be like, okay, what's happening here? How, how is it possible that we're having diverse countries, both you know, geographically and culturally, <laughs> come up with the same insane conclusion that shutting down your economy, locking everyone in their homes was the, the most optimal solution to this? Something that we've never done in our history. And as far as I've researched, we've never done in a pandemic in history. We have never reacted to a pandemic by quarantining the healthy. It's just not what we do. Because historically, it's always been viewed as unrealistic. And I have to tie this in a little bit to where I see the modern monetary theory and the new new age, new wave thought in economic circles, which is that economics no longer matters. We're rewriting the books. You can print your way to prosperity. Debts don't matter. We could have 25 trillion, which our national debt clock just passed. Doesn't matter. You just print it. You're good to go. Trump's not doing us any services in that regard either. He is by no means a debt hawk. He believes that the economy is what matters and he doesn't look past his next election. So if we have a debt collapse, five years after he leaves office. I think he's totally okay with that. I'm not even sure if I'm being honest that he understands, you know, what these policies that he supports will bring about in the long term. Um, but he does, he's definitely a Keynesian lean, leaning dude. He thinks that the Federal Reserve should be easing and printing as much as possible, as quickly as possible. Um, anyone that studied Austrian economics knows that's a recipe for disaster. It's what we've been doing aggressively for the past 15 years. And you're starting to see the outcomes that come from that kind of behavior, which is depressed economic growth. You know, coming out of 08, 09, when the market collapsed, primarily the real estate market, but then a knock-on effect took out the stock market um, because of debt and just excess borrowing and really lousy lending standards. Um, it just created a, an environment that normally, because it was so depressive in nature, you would have a kind of explosive economic growth soon thereafter, two, three years thereafter. But because we didn't allow it to actually level out, we didn't allow the pain to come, we didn't get that economic growth. We got a tepid two, maybe 3%, but really never breaking 3% GDP annualized growth. So when you have a depression, which it was close, I mean, it wasn't a depression, but it was a great recession for sure. Um, 
you should have explosive growth over the over the preceding years if you don't print and borrow your way to you know quote unquote lessen the blow to the common man, which ultimately just means a tax bill for you and bailouts for the politically tied. Um, so, anyways, that we could go down that rabbit hole for a long time. So maybe I'll come back to that later. Um, but what I did want to talk about is what I see coming with um, reactions. You know, what, what, will, what do I see people actually doing with this new information? Now that they understand, many of them are going to realize and understand on a very deep level that they've been had, that they've been wronged egregiously by the powers that be. You know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't believe Jews are in the world. I think that there is um, certainly power brokers that dictate a lot of what we do bill gates and the the billionaire class but more importantly it's not the billionaire class as much as it is the politically tied billionaire class that's that's one thing that i i push back against libertarian circles all the time is that they believe that you know corporations are equally evil to government corporations don't have any power over you so ultimately the only way they can become evil is to be politically tied and to get uh, laws or funding from the government that benefits them and sets them apart. That's where you should rightfully scream about them. And I'll do that right alongside you, you know? Um, but the majority of companies are small businesses and they have no political connection whatsoever. And many of them are corporations and there's no reason to hate those people. Those people are you and me, you know, they're the people that are trying to provide a service better than the next guy, which you and I benefit from. And if they do a good enough job of it, they make a living. You know, it's about as honest and an, and as American a path as you can take is to create jobs for people, create a savings for your family and for yourself. And, uh, you know, if you're a government hack, then create a tax base because they appreciate that too. But what I see coming is an exodus of, I guess, free-thinking people from blue states. And it's not because blue states are inherently bad. It's because the government is. And those governments in particular took the, har the, the most hardline stance in terms of the lockdown of any other states. Now, you could say correlation causation. You could say, well, the, Clint, those, those states have larger populations so obviously or, or more condensed populations because they have the cities um so they had to take those hardline stances well sure but <laughs> it also happened in blue states that aren't particularly more um population dense so it was an ideological decision and it's not surprising i mean democrats and leftists in general believe in the power of government. It makes perfect sense that the blue states would have kind of a omnipotent outlook where gov whatever Governor Newsom says, we do, and it's the wise thing to do. And if you push back against it, you're a science-denying asshole, which we've all heard, I don't know, 2.5 million times over the past 60 days. Um, so I think that Many people like myself that live in California that have been 
absolutely astonished, not by not just by the policies that were implemented, but by the acceptance of it by many of our neighbors is where I got a chill. And I was like, okay, I was born here. I was raised here. I will not die here, you know, and that's the truth. And I know I'm not alone in that. I mean, I, I, I'm fortunate enough that I've been successful, but unfortunate in the sense that I have real estate holdings I'm going to have to liquidate. And obviously I can't do that right now. So I'm going to be in here for the, the short term, but not the long term. And I will be out of California at some point. Many people like me, the few free thinking, uh, nonpartisan people that still exist in blue states are going to follow their brethren that have already left for the Texases and Arizonas of the world. Now, just to show that I'm not being partisan, those red states implemented some really shitty policies too. And they, they did a lot of top-down, one-size-fits-all, stupid nonsense, just like the blue states did. The difference, in my view, is that so far what we're witnessing is a willingness to reflect and evaluate on a more fair basis and say, okay, the two weeks and then an explosion of cases never happened. I think it's worthwhile for us to reconsider what we're doing. And many of those red state governors are now allowing for businesses to open up. And I mean, it's not ideal. I would obviously rather have, rather us have had a anarchist or libertarian state that told the feds and everybody else to shove it. We're not going to lock down and we'll see what happens. You know, a, a Sweden like state would have been fantastic because had we just had one that, you know, was decently populated, we could have pointed to that and said, Hey, look at our economy. You idiots. Look what you did to yourselves. Um, but we don't really have that because all of the states locked down and ultimately the states are interconnected. So even if we did, you would have still seen a recession most likely no matter what, because you can't have all of your neighboring states shut down and still, you know, have a raging economy because we trade a lot and that's a strength usually, um, except for when the government gets involved and locks down the entire economy, in which case it could be a little bit of a, a of a buzzkill. So that's the main thing I see is many, many millions of people leaving blue states for red states. And I hope that um, they, they don't carry with them the ideology of the state that they're fleeing. Because, you know, the people like me that leave these states certainly won't. The people that just get priced out of blue states are the ones that usually carry over the same fucking retarded ideology of high taxation and, and increasing government to try and solve all that ails. So my hope is that the people that will be leaving in this wave will be the more ideologically principled people, um, not just those that are too poor to buy a house in Southern California, but that actually value freedom. They value gun rights. They value a government that doesn't put you out of business. Um, there's lots of factors that go into it. So we'll see if it happens. Um, but if I'm right, what you should expect to see after that is a tax base that diminishes in blue states, blue states of which are already struggling mightily 
to maintain their budgets and pay their pensions. So I think, and I, I said this two months ago when this shit was first going down, and I didn't even know the government was going to lock us down yet. I just knew that based off of our supply chain disruption in Asia, that we would have a severe recession. I had no idea we would lock down for a couple months. So now my prognosis of severe recession is long gone. We're talking depression. There's no doubt in my mind we're going to be in a depression. So because of that, you're going to have, I I was, you know, my prognosis was maybe some European or Asian countries would have bankruptcies. I wasn't necessarily going to the level of having a depression in the United States where you would have states also filing bankruptcy. We are already seeing that, folks. <laughs> we, we haven't even ended the lockdown and we are already seeing bailouts for states. So pay attention to this shit. This is very serious. New York is already telling us, telling the government, the federal government, they need a bailout. They can't afford to function. They say that they don't have the money to even reopen the government, which in my world, that would be a good thing if they could just not reopen the government. But the implication is they can't reopen the economy unless they open the government because they're, you know, socialists, fascists, whatever you want to call them. So I think that's a really important thing to keep an eye out on is the fact that you will have cities that are being bankrupted because of the exodus of not just right-leaning people, but the productive, the people that have businesses like myself. I'm getting the fuck out of here. I can't do this. I can't pay taxes and get told that uh, I have to shut my business down because there's a rough flu season. You just can't do that. I, I put too much effort in, I put too much time in, and I risked too much to have a government that treats me like that and then tells me I can't have fucking unemployment insurance because I'm self-employed. Oh, and I made too much last year, so I don't get the uh, stimulus either. It's abusive. I have given them hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes. Maybe not the state of California, but certainly if you combine federal and state, I have paid them a shitload of money and I get nothing back when they have intentionally and overtly screwed me over. Along with everybody else, I'm not saying I'm special in that regard, but I have paid more taxes than a lot of people that are getting a hell of a lot more help than I am right now. And that doesn't seem right to me at all. So call me selfish. Call me self-righteous. I'm the fuck out of here. I'm not dealing with this shit. You can't take my money and then give me nothing for it. No, not okay. Oh, and then on top of that, guns. Guns are almost illegal in California. We have 10-day waiting periods. You have magazine limits. They, I could imagine Newsom by fiat pulling a Trudeau and listing 1,500 guns that are overnight banned, including Black Rifle Coffee, like that asshole in Canada. What an unbelievable joke. What a disaster of a country Canada is. And I love Canadian people. Don't get me wrong. But Jesus fucking Christ, stand up for yourselves. Is there any freedom fighters in Canada? Sorry, I got sidetracked. So, once you see the cities, or once you see the states starting to default on their debts, you will see cities start to default on their debts. What does that create? It creates a cascading default system. You will hear cascading defaults, trust me. 
What that creates from cities bankrupting themselves will create bonds that are defaulted upon, which will create pensions which are short-funded, which will create runs on stocks as they have to redeem in order to pay out to their constituents, the pensioners. And then from the stocks, you will have a run on all. And that is the depression, folks. That is how you get there. Now, there's a chance we avoid it only because we are printing so much money. Now, don't think for a second that that's a positive solution or a positive alternative to what I'm saying because all it means is a delayed pain. It doesn't mean you get rid of it. It's just it, perfect analogy. It's just like bend the curve. You don't stop the total casualties or the total fatalities from COVID by keeping people in their houses for three weeks. You delay it long enough that the hospital can deal with things a little bit better. And you don't have doctors choosing who lives and dies, which we successfully did a long time ago, but we're still locked down. Anyway, so it's the same principle with the Federal Reserve and printing money. You can add liquidity to, add liquidity to the system where you have defaults, which can bail out some of the largest companies, but ultimately it's just papering over the disease. It's not an actual solution to what ails you. So you can, instead of having, you know, one year of 20% negative GDP growth, you might have two and a half years of negative 10. It's, it spreads out the pain and it also allows the government to say, hey, look, look what we're doing to help you. So it's, it's going to be a politically viable solution, particularly with the economic ignorance that we are witnessing in this country, championed largely by the AOCs and anyone that claims for a second that modern monetary theory as, is anything other than a crackpot, nutcase, bullshit, non-economic plan. It is funny money garbage. Was that demonstrative enough? If you believe in it, you have given up the right to talk to me about logic or common sense ever again. You're an idiot. All right, moving on. So what would I like to see happen for my lovely listeners, you beautiful fuckers out there? I think if I were you, I would be focusing on First off, liquidity, stockpiling cash right now is huge. And I know that seems counterintuitive because we're entering a deflation or a depression. You're going to think that, well, the government's going to print a lot of money, Clint. Why would I want to hold cash? Well, you got to keep in mind. First off, the government's not going to print enough money that it makes your money worthless overnight. That is one thing I am certain of. That will not happen to you. Will it happen over an extended period of time? Maybe even in your lifetime? You're damn right it will. Will it happen over the next six months? No, it won't. All the gold bugs can relax. Your, your fiat currency is definitely going down in value, but it is not going to happen so rapidly that it will offset the deflationary pressures that occur when you have a total debt liquidation system, which is, or a liquidation of our debt system, which is what I envision happening. It's very likely that the defaults that cascade from governmental levels to the private level 
to the personal level will be devastating. And it's going to be so deflationary that even if the government's printing trillions of dollars, it's not going to offset it because our economy is enormous and our debt is beyond enormous. Unfortunately, I didn't pull stats on it, but maybe I'll do that next time. So anyways, I think that having cash on hand gives you the opportunity to buy things at lower values. And that's the name of the game right here, because all I've been preaching to my friends and family, many of you are not that, but now you get to be, you get to hear my rants and my lectures about how to get ahead in life financially. And I've done it personally. So I'm, you know, I'm practicing what I preach and I have a track record that demonstrates that it's viable. I believe that there will be opportunities to buy real estate in this country that are fantastic. I think that if we are lucky enough to have interest rates kept low as the real estate market bottoms out, you will have once in a lifetime opportunities. Do not miss this opportunity because if you do, you will regret it for the rest of your life. If you are like me and you already took advantage in the 09 and 10 collapse and you bought a series of properties in 11, 12, 13, 14, you already know what kind of wealth comes from that. It is life-changing wealth. You could work a job forever and not make the kind of money that people make from buying depressed assets and selling them over time. It's crazy. Maybe TMI, but over half of my net worth has just come from a handful of investments that I made during that period. It's phenomenal what happens. And you, if you're like me and you have good credit and income, you can borrow money for next to nothing and purchase depressed assets. That is huge. That is life-changing, once-in-a-lifetime shit. Do not miss it. Get your credit right. Get your debt paid down. Get cash saved up. There's a really good chance that when the time is right, first off, people will not be able to buy. People will be out of work. People will not qualify for bank loans. Don't be those people. I know it's it's harsh. I may not be those people. I may not because I had to close the doors of my business a couple weeks ago. I may not be able to qualify for a bank loan, which is insane. But don't be me. <laughs> Have the 20% down and 800 FICO and hopefully some evidence of a track record with your job and buy either as big as you can or as much as you can. My personal preference is as much as you can. Get, you know, if you can only get one condo, get one condo. If you can get four starter homes, definitely get four starter homes. Buy as much as you can because there is a shortage of housing regardless of the fact that shit's overpriced. There is a absolute shortage of housing and you need, I mean, you need housing. You're going you're gonna to be able to rent these places. Now, that doesn't mean that rents won't decrease. There's a certain uh, series of events where that could happen too. But it's very likely that if you're borrowing money next to nothing and you're able to fill that place with a tenant, it's going to carry itself. And I don't know how economically literate everyone that's listening is, so I'll just say briefly, carrying itself means that the property, the, the gross income that you're receiving from it, which is the rent, covers taxes, insurance, and then, you know, principal interest, and it just carries itself. It, it, basically, the asset, without you putting any additional capital into it, 
will either break even or cash flow where you actually profit off of it. That's ideal, obviously. And if you buy in a depression, it's highly probable that's going to be the case. So don't miss that opportunity, guys. Sorry if I went a little too aggressive on you. I know you're new and I love you and I'm sorry, but I'm passionate about this shit. Like this is a very big opportunity. So don't miss it. Um, I think buying gold makes sense for the long term. I think buying cryptocurrency makes sense, maybe even in the short term. Crypto is, to me, still a fiat. And I know that's unpopular and the libertarian community is probably going to be upset with me for it, but fuck it. I'm telling you the truth. I think of crypto as fiat, not because there's an infinite amount of Bitcoin, but because there's an infinite amount of brands of cryptocurrencies. There's nothing that stops you or I from creating the new Bitcoin, but calling it shitcoin. And as you know, you should know if you don't, there's thousands and thousands of different cryptocurrencies out there. I don't understand how that makes it any different from fiat currency other than the fact that you are limiting the amount of a certain brand. So you're saying like, there's a cap on US dollars, but there's no cap on yen. Or, or excuse me, there's a cap on US dollars. There's also a cap on yen. I just don't see why that makes it significantly better than gold, for instance. I do know that there's privacy things and other factors that, that give it advantages. But anyways, as a speculative investment, I still support cryptocurrencies. I think that it makes sense. I think that there's a decent chance because the US dollar is fiat and it's worth nothing, but people think it's worth something. So same things with crypto. It's gonna It's gonna maintain value if people believe that it's the replacement currency of the world, then maybe it becomes that. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't. So I think that it's important to have diversification into many of these arenas. So gold, crypto, real estate. I also think that biotech has really good prospects because I don't see anything in America in particular that stands out in terms of innovation. And I know that's that sounds dire. I mean, obviously technology, we still compete aggressively, but because of our IP laws, it seems to me that biotech is really the one place that we still appear to be dominant. So I would keep an eye out on that. I think there's a lot of breakthroughs that are going to be had over the next decade. And certainly over the next 20 or 30 years, we're going to have massive breakthroughs in terms of life extension therapies and things of that nature that people are going to pay a serious premium for. So what I'm envisioning is a further collapse of the stock market, which gives you ample opportunity to use some of that liquidity that you set aside to then go out and buy valued, you know, depressed companies. I'm not giving you any financial advice, legally speaking. You're going to have to do your own research on what companies you should pursue, but they're out there and there's going to be really good values. So keep an eye on that. There's going to be other stocks too that have value, but you know, I'm not going to get into the weeds as to each and every industry I think has value. You can judge that for yourself. Um, but I think the biggest thing to consider, and this is a really depressing point, but I've got to bring it up. Politically connected companies are going to be where you want to invest. And as a libertarian, that makes me fucking sick. I have no interest in supporting those companies, but you know what? I don't mind profiting from them. So 
if the system is sick, you know, if you want to be principled and not benefit from it, I respect you, but <laughs> don't expect me to do the same, you know? So I would take serious looks at politically connected companies. That includes the Boeings and the military industrial complex nightmare companies that are out there, the drone companies, the fucking, they, the worst of the worst. Put them on your short list for investments, okay? It won't make you feel good, but it'll make you sleep better, if that makes any sense. So I think that that's what, what you'll see is a real stratification. And because small business has been crushed by the shutdown, it has been crushed. I am a small business owner, multiple, and I had to close all of them, including my Airbnb. It was illegal. I received a notification. It was illegal to continue to do short-term rentals in my property. It's insane. Um, so you're going to see a stratification between the haves and the have-nots that you've never seen in your life. It's going to create just increased, you know, income inequality. Um, but what it's mainly going to create is far larger companies with far fewer small companies. And that is not good for you or I, because the big boys, they play with different rules. They're politically tied. What, what I envision us entering is a socialist type economy. I, please spare me the lectures. I already know we exist within a socialist framework. I'm just saying, oh, more of your like 1990s Russia where it's like oligarchs. And if you're not politically tied, you can't get super wealthy. I know a lot of people believe we already have that. I disagree. I don't think that's it's fully the case. I certainly think that it's partially the case, um, but I see it becoming more so. So if you're going to be an investor in that environment, you're going to want to invest with the big boys and it won't feel good, but it'll be better for you. So I wrote down three principles that I think are vital um, I think agility, liquidity, mobility is what you want to, I guess, take away from this podcast. You want to have the agility to move your assets, move your ass. <laughs> you want to have the agility to move your assets. So you're going to want to, um, that leads into liquidity. You want to, you want to have liquidity, which gives you agility. If your if your money is all tied up in physical assets that you can't liquidate, you're going to be in trouble. Now, many of you aren't in that position. I'm sorry, but for those that are, you know, if you have the ability to liquidate and get liquid as we enter a depressionary cycle, do it. Because any liquidity you have, and that includes getting qualified for home equity line of credit or a bank loan, you know. These are all ways that you can take advantage of a depressed system and profit. And then lastly, mobility. I mean, and that doesn't just mean your money or your assets. That means your person. You may have to move to pursue the opportunities that exist out there. And it may behoove you to get the hell out of whatever state you're in. So really think about that. And I know a lot of us have talked about it for the longest time. I certainly have. I've hated much about California for most of my life, but I love the people here and you can't beat the environment and the weather and everything else. It's, it's fantastic. So, but the government is a disaster. 
So I have talked about it for a long time. I never ever in my lifetime thought that I could get locked in my freaking house. So when that happened, the potential for moving out of here got much higher. And I think that everyone else that views things like I do or like we do should be thinking the same thing. Man, I could go on all night. I have a lot more to say, but um, seeing as many of you are new, I, I really appreciate you tuning in. I, you know, welcome aboard. It's great to have you. Please tweet at me at Liberty Lock Pod with any questions, comments, concerns, whatever you got. I'm, a, I'm an open book. Um, I interact a lot, especially with my fucking company shut down. I've got a lot of free time on my hands. So I would love to talk to you, love to get to know you. DM me, they're open. Um, and if you are listening through iTunes, please rate and review. This is a, this is a rebranding of an old show I used to do that had over 150 episodes. So don't worry about those. They're a year stale anyways, but this show Liberty Lockdown is going to be my, uh, my workhorse moving forward. So if you are on iTunes, I would really appreciate you leaving me a review and, uh, you know, five stars, baby, let's do this. And if not, if you hated the show, eat a dick. I don't care. I'm just kidding. Love you so much. Thank you for tuning in. You guys rock. Talk to you soon. We out.